that, that verse in Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy for each of you all the time. I mean, wouldn't you love to have somebody write that to you or say that to you? You know, I thank my God every time I remember you. I mean, what teacher wouldn't like to hear that from a student? You know, what minister wouldn't like to hear that from a congregant? What congregation member wouldn't like to hear that from a minister? I thank my God every time I remember you, praying constantly for you with joy. You know, it's just gratitude for people and gratitude for others. This is All Saints Sunday. On All Saints Sunday, we express that gratitude. We give thanks to God when we remember those who have gone before us. And this uh, 2018 is the 100th anniversary of the King Avenue Fire, which was in August of 1918. So it's a good time to remember the founders of King Avenue and to say, I thank God every time I remember you. So this is, this is largely going to be a history lesson about the saints of King Avenue who went before us. The church was founded in 1888. This section of, of Columbus, it really wasn't Columbus then, was a farm owned by Billy Neal. It was a large farm that went from First Avenue up to Lane and High Street to the river. Now you just grasp, that's a lot of land. It takes in the short north, Victorian Village, the circles, most of the university area, and the university. That was a big farm. In 1888, Columbus was growing. It was moving north. Ohio State was founded in 1870. So between the city and Ohio State, they started to develop that land to approach Ohio State. Now, um, it's just an interesting note that in the Midwest, suburbs tend to develop going north based on the fact that rivers run south. You want to be upstream of the people that live south. Figure that out. So Columbus tended to grow to the north. In 1888, um, American cities became very aware of health issues and that disease were, diseases were waterborne. And so Columbus began a very large water sanitation and public works project, and sewers were, were a big, big item in the Columbus city, uh, city budget. They also started to put in, uh, enlarge the fire department. The streetcar started to run on Neal Avenue in 1888. 
And in, by 1891, it was um, electrified. Ohio State would not play its first football game until the fall of 1890, and it would beat its hated rival up north. Yes, it beat Ohio Wesleyan 20 to 14. <laughs> this section of Billy Neal's land was given to his daughter, Ann Dennison. Ann Dennison had married William Dennison, who was the governor of Ohio during the Civil War, and at the end of the war had become uh, the postmaster general for the United States. This section of, of the neighborhood was called the Denison Park Edition. One of the stipulations that Ann Dennison put in the Denison Park uh, Edition was that there would be no cheap houses, there would be no saloons. I'll just note that our house is across the street from the Denison Edition. <laughs> So in 1888, Columbus was moving north. The closest church, the closest Methodist church, was at um, High and Third Avenue, and it's, it's still there next to the Monte Cristo cigar, uh, cigar uh, shop and close to Standard Hall. The people of this neighborhood felt it was too far to walk to that church on Third and High, I guess they had parking problems too, and they wanted a church in their neighborhood. So they decided to build a church north of Columbus. This was the suburbs. A woman named Melinda Nicholson is kind of given credit for founding King Avenue Church. She um, started a Sunday school on a bakery owned by Mr. Cockins, on what is now 6th Avenue between Forsyth and Neal. She started this Sunday school in November of 88, and it grew very rapidly, having seven classes and oh, about 130 people total. In, eight, in December of 89, 88, they were granted uh, permission to start a church. The Methodist Church approached Ann Dennison and asked that she give them this plot of land. She refused. So the church, fathers and mothers, paid $5,500 for this plot of land. It would go for more now. By, 18, uh, by May of 1889, the church had become large enough that they were chartered as a church, and the first minister was a retired minister named James Ricketts. Prominent families in the church were the Knights, the Nicholsons, the Pews, the Rankins, and the Candies. By, uh, by December of 1889, the first building had been built on this site, and it was called the Stone Chapel. It was a small, small building, and 
by 1902, the church had outgrown the stone chapel, and it tore down the stone chapel and began the building of the second building church on this site uh, that at the time was considered one of the finest churches in Columbus, one of the largest worship spaces, uh, state-of-the-art kitchen, state-of-the-art parlor, worthy of any fine hotel in downtown Columbus. That building burned in 1918. this building was built in 1922, and Colleen will be picking up the story next week on that. I think of Mr. Rankin and Mrs. Nicholson and Mrs. Knight and the Candy Brothers. More often than you'd think, I give thanks every time I remember them, for the vision that they had, the courage to take a chance, to take a risk, how they had a desire to continue God's story in this neighborhood. And I often think, where would we be without them? I give thanks every time I remember them. Paul goes on in this letter to the Philippians to say, the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And God did begin a good work in them that began with a Sunday school. I'm sure that's how you started churches back then, with a Sunday school and what we would call small groups and faith formation. And I think they believed that God was beginning a good work in them. And that they were probably continuing the work of their ancestors. And I wonder if they thought, what would their completed work look like? Did they have any idea that they would complete the work? Did they think it would ever be completed? The one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. You know, through the years, King Avenue has changed, and I wonder if they would even recognize this church today from the good work that they began. You know, the church has been through a lot of changes and additions and remodelings. That's just the buildings. But it's been through changes in its ministry. As Ohio State grew, the campus ministry grew. As the neighborhood grew, the church became a strong neighborhood church. As the neighborhood declined, the church kind of went in decline. And as the neighborhood revived, the church revived. And as the demographic of the neighborhood changed, the church changed. You know, and we became a beacon for LGBTQ plus persons. The one who began a good work in them was faithful to complete it. But I'm not sure it's ever been completed, and I don't think it's been completed yet. In the Methodist church, we talk about 
the trust clause. And the trust clause has to do with property and who owns the property. But I think trust has to do with the Methodist church trusted them to start a church. And they trusted us to continue that church. And we trust those who come after us. God trusted them initially. And they trusted and God continues to trust. Now many of you know that um, when Susan and I moved here, we bought a house just a block west on King Avenue on the other side of the street from the Denison uh, property addition. We bought it from a, a family that we know. And it was kind of neat. When we bought it from them, we just, I thought, well, we're just keeping it in the family in a way. Now, the house needed a lot of work, and we've worked on it and worked on it, and after a while, we had to stop working on it because we had to just start living in it. And we also ran out of money. Um, you know, and, but, and I was expressing this frustration with not finishing the house to Ann Nelson. And Ann said, you know, we're just kind of given these houses as a gift. And we work on them and we bring them along. And all we're doing is just making it better and improving it for the next people that will move into the house. We're just stewards of the house and caring for it while we have it. And I thought, boy, that was really a neat explanation of housing renovation. And it made me feel so good that I didn't have to really finish the house. I just had to move it along. And it made me feel so good that I knew the people that lived there before and I was just making it better for the people who would come after it. And I was just connected to the past and the future. I think that's our role at King Avenue. We're just a connection between the Rankins and the Nicholsons and the Knights and the Candies and those who come after us. God put his trust in them and they trusted us and we trust the future. God put that trust in them but then they turned it back to God and said, we're going to trust you, God, and we're going to work together. And I like the image that God was in the beginning, beginning the work, and God is at the end, bringing it to completion. And our work is bracketed by God, past, present, and future. That we're not abandoned, we're not forsaken, we're not left alone. That God surrounds us. And that gives me such hope that God started it, but we trust God and place it in God's hands.
Now, in All Saints Day, we think about more than churches. We think about individuals. We think about life after death. We sing about all the saints of God. Some were bakers. Some were shepherdess. Some were killed by a fierce wild beast. You know, I love that line. So where do we fit in as saints of God? I think it's true for us that God begins a good work in each of us for which people give thanks. And God is there at the beginning and God is there at the end bringing it to completion. And God brackets each one of our lives in God's hands. God trusts us and hopes in us and we trust God and hope in God. And it's all bracketed by God. There's some wonderful lines in the funeral service. As once, and I'll just use my name. O Lord, as once you gave John to us, so now we give John back to you. You know, there it is, beginning and end. And we give you thanks for John's life, who in your love will never end. There it is again bracketed by God's love, not forgotten. Now, I like to think that God has a lot of work still to do on me. And I tend to think that it won't be completed at death, that there's so much work yet to do to improve me that God's going to continue working after death, transforming me into the person that I should be and want to be. And that gives me great hope that God will continue to work with me in life and death and life beyond death. And God will continue to work with you in life and death and life beyond death. Reinhold Niebuhr has said that nothing of worth can be achieved in our lifetime. That the projects God begins in us are so big that they just start with us and we're just moving them along. That gives me such hope that God sees the big picture when I just see the little picture. And God moves it along. And Niebuhr says... Therefore, we must be saved by hope that we trust God to complete the good works that he begins. So what is a saint? Who is a saint? I would say a saint is a person who's not perfect, who's not flawless, who's not sinless, who makes a lot of mistakes, but it's a person in whom God has begun a good work. God has begun a good work in each of us. And it's a person who believes that God is at the beginning and God is at the end. 
and their life is bracketed by God. I think that's what a saint is. They just believe that their life is in God's hands. And for the saints, we give thanks. And we give thanks for each of you. Amen.